Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Today's guest is Clarence Porter. Clarence worked in the Toronto advertising world as an art director and freelance illustrator, a career spanning over 40 years. Moving to Hamilton, Ontario, Clarence pursued working in soft pastels and after receiving an honorable mention in the 2006 Pastel Artist Canada Purely Pastels exhibition, he never looked back. Clarence states, my job as an artist is to see and translate my visual and emotional moments into places that allow the viewer to see, feel, and be in my moments, giving my viewer pause to reflect on moments in time that I have cherished, frozen, in pigments. Clarence is represented by Earl's Courts Gallery in Hamilton, Ontario, and his work has been collected locally and internationally. He received his Master Pastel Artist of Canada signature designation from Pastel Artist Canada in 2014 and was elected a signature member of the Pastel Society of America in 2016. He is also a member of the International Association of Pastel Societies and an active member of the Federation of Canadian Artists. Clarence has been teaching pastel workshops at the Dundas Valley School of Art since 2008 and has been an occasional instructor at the Art Gallery of Hamilton and the Aurora Cultural Centre, as well as been instructing his own private pastel workshops. Clarence recently retired from teaching figurative painting at Sheridan College in the Visual and Creative Arts Department, eight amazing years of working with young creative minds, and he still enjoys the interaction with young and creative minds of all ages. Please help me welcome Clarence Porter to the podcast. Hi, Clarence. How are you today? I'm doing really well, Lisa. Thank you for inviting me to do this. I'm honored that you've joined me today, and I am so excited to talk about your work because from the moment I saw your work, there is something in the way you use pastels that really captures my imagination as an artist, and I'm so curious about how you do it and what inspires you. We'll talk about that. There you go. I thought what we could do is start with a little bit of your background because in getting to know you, I learned that you're originally from Indiana, and I didn't know that. Yes. Indiana born. Indianapolis, Indiana, the state, even though I've lived more of my life here in Canada, and my family is still there. All of my family is still back there. Yeah, it was an interesting upbringing. One of the things I did want to say about it was I came from a really very loving family, contrary to not having mothers or fathers at home or that kind of thing. I grew up with both parents who were both hardworking, and all of the people that we knew and all of the people we grew up with had mothers and fathers. So it was really quite sort of a normal life, if you will, even though it was inner city. And I guess we would have been 
what's considered to be sort of lower middle income. But our life was good. I mean, we ate every day and our parents worked. It was a good growing up, a good early life. And there was somebody there named Mrs. Strauss. Is there a story to who she was? Okay, that's a little bit later on down the line. So yeah, there were several sort of key sort of pivotal moments, if you will, in, in my life. And my parents moving from the inner city to a new area, a new school, was a major pivotal area. They worked very hard to get us out of the area and into a better school. And this school, I think when I graduated, there were three Black people who graduated in the school of 2000. So that was important because growing up in the inner city, I went to a mixed school, even in the inner city, and all was fine and friends and that kind of thing. But as soon as we moved to high school, get moved into high school, there was no longer any communication between black and white. Even kids that I grew up with, they just cut it off so that everything sort of started becoming segregated, if you will. And the nice thing about the school that we moved to, my family moved to, was that even though there were very few black people in the school, it was such, it was an amazing, very accepting school. Mm -hmm. And it actually changed my view overall about the world, because I was starting to get this very narrow view about the world. Had I continued in the high school I was in just before we moved, there's a good chance I would have been working at Ford or Link Belt, making cars or working for the post office, and I wouldn't be doing art at all. And I think that's seriously what the difference, I think, we had stayed on course to stay in the inner city. So this school was an amazing high school, and Mrs. Elva Strauss was her name, and she was the art instructor for Ben Davis High School. Hello, Ben Davis High School. No one will know where that is. And she was a tough older woman. She guided me and almost any other students that she dealt with through their art career. And she had this way where she knew that you had talent. She would push you. I remember one year deciding that I wasn't going to do any work because I got A's in her class because I was, I was pretty good for a high school student. Anyway, and I got A's in her class, and so I decided, okay, so I decided I wasn't going to do any work for a semester. I just sort of coast. And at the end of the semester, I got an A minus, and I went up to her and I actually said, how can you give me an A minus? I didn't do anything. I, I tried not to do anything. I didn't earn an A minus. And she looked at me and she said, because I know you have the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And that cut the legs right out from under me. And it was like, okay, can't show off anymore with it. So anyway, yes, she got my artwork involved in a lot of competitions around the states, which was important. And actually, I got some introductions to people that later on in life I would be able to call on to help me move my art career alone. She was very instrumental in my continuing my artwork. She actually went to the arts. As a matter of fact, there's an art school in Indianapolis, John Heron Art Institute. I think it's attached to Indiana University now or whatever. But she actually went to the school and told them they were going to give me a scholarship to an art school. And they gave me a scholarship to go to the art school. So, yeah, so this is during the 60s. So anyway, I graduated, went to the art school. And out of all of the things that happened with her and through her, one of my first jobs was with a television station working for a woman who had judged one of the competitions that I had been involved in in high school. And she later hired me on. So, so there's a lot of connections there with Elvis Strauss and my art career. That was one of the sort of, besides my parents moving, which was the most pivotal part of everything, she was the next sort of pivot in terms of 
moving forward in art. So that's my Elvis story. And from there, you didn't stop moving. You obviously moved up to Canada at some point. So was that right after art school then, or was that? No, no. Oh, goodness. 66. Yeah, I had about six years before I moved from graduating from high school, six years before I came up to Canada. So in 72, 71, 72, we came up here. I had worked several jobs down in Indianapolis in the art field. I had gotten a couple of firsts that happened down there. I was the first Black person in several of the agencies that I worked in. I worked in advertising agencies, of which, interestingly enough, in two jobs that I had worked down there, the art directors had to threaten to quit before they would hire me on because there was this, you know, still the thing going on down in the States. And so several people had enough confidence in me and my work Mm -hmm. to threaten to quit to get me hired on. And I got hired on. That was the case with the TV station, job with the television station. And I ended up becoming also the art director for the television station. I was the first black person working there. And I became the art director for the station, which is a lot of fun. So every place I worked, save probably the last advertising agency place that I worked, all of the rest of the places ended up being quite nice. And then moved out of that, tried to be a freelance illustrator for a little bit when I was in Indianapolis and decided to come up to Canada just to go on a vacation. Didn't want to go any place in particular in the States. It was sort of like, well, you know, if I do that, well, it's all the same. There's nothing different. So we decided we'd pack up our stuff and put on our big woolly coats and our hats and come on up to Toronto. And it was a riot. It was just right because we had that whole Midwestern, well, kind of the whole kind of state's view about Canada. That's cold weather and snow and igloos and that kind of thing. Very, very, very narrow view of anything outside of the borders. And literally, literally, we looked up a place that we could stay that wasn't like a single story sort of a dugout. kind of, You know, I mean, we really had no view of Canada and what it was like at all. And so we went on AAA, which is CAA here, and found this place. I don't know if you've heard of it. A small place. It had a four or five rating. It's called the Royal York. Have you ever... <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I mean, that's literally, I mean, we were Royal York and it looked nice and, you know, figured it was a couple of stories, so it was all right, right? And so we're driving up and if, if you come up through Indianapolis and through Detroit and onto the 400, as you go across the 400, well, it is hinterland. That's all there is. It's just, it proves the point. It was warmer, but it was hinterland going all the way across. And then all of a sudden you get to the 427 to drop down, you know, head south and you get onto the QE. All of a sudden, the city just opens up. You know, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz. It's this great city as you're driving into Toronto. And I remember coming home and telling people the streets were paved with gold. (laughs) There was no dirt anywhere. And you could throw a rock and hit an ethnic is what I'd say. Because I'd never been in a place where there were people. You could sit in it. You could go into a bus stop and there would be five different people speaking five different languages. And from somebody from the Midwest, it was just magical. My then wife and I decided then that this is where we wanted to live and this is where we wanted to eventually raise a child. So it took us three years to get up here. But anyway, that was the move to Canada. And that was the other pivotal point, another big pivotal point. I'd flown up to get a job, to look for jobs. It took me three days. But the last place I went to visit, they hired me. So I was able to come up. And this is when all you had to do is have a job. And it was still the point system. And I got in by one point, but it didn't matter because it's like one point or 10. I'm in, I get to come, you know, come up to Canada and live. We came up here in 72, I believe it was. It's been nothing but good ever since. 
And that's where you were working in advertising as an art director? Yes. Yeah, I worked two places, actually, only two places. There was a small studio called Penthouse Studios. I would always say not related to the magazine. It was fun. It was a fun studio. Most of my oldest friends are still from working there. And then my second was a large agency, a large advertising agency in the city, which it was Spencer Mills and Bates was the company's name. It was associated with Ted Bates in New York. Mm-hmm. And I worked there as an art director for, I think, two years, two and a half, three years before I decided I wanted to go out and be a freelancer, work as a freelance illustrator. And I spent the better part, probably about 40 years. No, it was 40 plus years as a freelance commercial illustrator doing everything, oil paints, acrylics, gouache. I did block cuts because I loved drawing. I loved doing art. And so the art itself didn't matter. My advantage was I could do all of those things. And on top of that, I had the knowledge from working in the advertising business. So I understood the idea of being able to associate artwork with groups of people. Like, you know, this group would like this kind of style or this kind of artwork basically understanding marketing and who you're marketing to. I understood that whole thing. So I wasn't attempting to put my idea on top of trying to be that, well, they'll have to like my artwork. You know, it was kind of like if you're in advertising, you're doing commercial work, you're trying to speak to someone. And so I was able to do that. And being able to do a lot of different styles, I could walk into an agency and they would say, well, blah, blah, and this age group and this, but this kind of thing. And I could open my portfolio and say, sort of like this. And so it worked. So I had a very fun 40 years doing freelance commercial illustrations. I took my portfolio once to New York because I wanted to see what would happen there. And I walked it around New York for about two or three days. And I got the same response from them, which was, but who are you? Because you got so many styles. So who are you? Because you had to be, you know, like in New York and places like that, you had to be some specific somebody, somebody style kind of thing. And I get that. But I had a very successful life as a freelance commercial illustrator doing all of those different styles. And do you accredit Ms. Strauss with that variety of materials and knowledge? No, that's personal. That's sort of a personal thing. I loved experimenting and finding different other ways. I love different styles of art. I love different artists, illustrators at that time. And so I liked attempting to do or achieve a kind of look, certain kind of styles. And that was just sort of a personal thing. I started out loving Jack Kirby as a comic book artist because I loved comic books when I grew up. So it was just a personal thing. I know now you're working with pastels. So how did we get to that journey from Uh, vast array of knowledge to a very specific medium? That was fun, working with pastels. Well, just sort of half step back a bit. So I'm doing my commercial illustration thing. And I'm getting older. I'm an older gentleman. So I've got a little bit of gray in the beard. And so as I'm going around the agencies near these sort of last of my illustration days, I'm walking around and I'm seeing a lot of people that were the same age as my son as art director looking at me (laughs) the same way I would look at an old guy when he would walk in when I was younger working in the advertising agencies. And I would see that look sort of like, "Eh, no, not hip, a little bit too old kind of look on their face. Then they'd be amazed at the portfolio, but it was that look. And I thought, you know what? It's time to get out. Well, I still have a certain amount of dignity. So I decided to leave and my wife and I just tried to figure out sort of while I was working in different places, tried to 
find a sort of cottage industry, if you will, kind of art thing that I could do. What did I want to do? And so I'd gone to uh, Toronto Outdoor Art Fair, the big one they have at City Hall. And as I'm walking through different tents and looking at different people's artwork, I come across this one tent and the guy who, his name is Tim Daniels. And Tim Daniels has these wonderful pastel pieces up on his wall and the colors are brilliant and the design is amazing. I was drooling in his tent, just fell in love with it, talked to him just briefly about it and that, got a card from him and said, you know, I'll give you a call one day and, you know, we'll talk. About a year later, when I was trying to sort out what it is I wanted to do and that kind of thing, I thought, oh, I'm going to give Tim Daniels a call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got nothing to lose. He'll pick up and remember me or it won't matter or whatever. And I called the number, Tim, hi, this is Clarence. And we talked such and such. Yes. I said, I would love to talk to you about pastels and how you do what you do in there. Come on over to the house. Here, I live such and such. Come on over and we'll sit down and talk. So I jump in the car and I go into Burlington and go to his place and then in his studio and he's going, okay, so here we go. And here's the pastels and they do this and here's the colors and they do and that and here's some paper and it does that and this. And there was just this, I always describe him this way because he is just this wonderful, generous spirit, just giving, just sort of here and try this and look at that, you know, boom, 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 boom. And if you need any and call me, here's my number. I was just blown away. So I, I leave there with some pastels and I leave there with several different kinds of paper, things I'd never heard of before or used before. And I started. So I started playing with the pastels, but I decided that I would do his portrait for him because he was such a sweetie. So I did his portrait. It got entered into the Pastel Artists Canada, which was a group I hadn't heard of before then, into their competitions. And it got an honorable mention. So the first pastel thing that I did got an honorable mention. I thought, hmm, pastels, not bad, not bad at all. Followed on from there to doing how many pieces? It was six or nine pieces that I did. Anyway, got into another show at the Art Gallery of Hamilton. And so I moved on from there. But Tim Daniels was responsible for, he was my mentor and got me started in pastels. That's fantastic. You have an amazing use of color and a use of light. And I mentioned at the beginning that there was a series that I had seen that really caught my eye. And doing my bit of research, it's your reaching series where you're walking Saturday yeah. morning walks and these incredible shadows cast by the trees. Can you talk a little bit about that series? Yes. The series was done last year. I think it was finished last year. Anyway, doesn't matter. As you said, It's a ritual. Every Saturday morning, I get up, and the first thing I do is I walk up to the convenience store, and I get the spec newspaper. So this was back in February or March, a year before that. And I'm walking back, and it's also a time just sort of to wake up and think and see the morning and that kind of thing. And I'm walking back, and as I'm walking back, I'm seeing these wonderful shadows because it was a beautiful, bright, early, you know, sunny morning. I'm seeing these amazing shadows coming off of these trees. And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, wow, I hadn't paid attention to that. And so I pulled out my camera because I always carry my phone slash camera. My phone is my camera. I don't do anything else with it much except that. I rarely text. So I pull out my camera. I start taking pictures. And then I started walking all over the neighborhood, all over my neighborhood, taking pictures of these trees and the shadow and sort of the whole neighborhood. And then I decided that that was going to be the next series that I was going to do of pastels. And the light 
early in the morning is amazing. It's magical anyway. So the idea was to take those pictures and make them even more, imbue them with the feeling that I got in the mornings when I saw those pictures. It might be sort of fair. I've been described as a colorist also. I can see Um, that, yeah. yeah. I love colors and I love looking for colors. They are there, like when you're talking about the shadows on this, that's one of the things I really liked about it. The shadows do actually have those colors. When I talk to people about it, it's like we have a tendency to deal with symbols in our life, you know, like trees are brown and shadows are gray and the sky is blue and leaves are green kind of thing. And there are so many more colors going on Mm -hmm. if we just look for them. They are there. For instance, in my shadows, you'll see purples and blues because they are, in fact, there. The sky is reflecting and refracting on the sidewalk, and all those colors are bouncing around all over the place. And all you have to do is look for it. And even though, for instance, the bark of a tree can be brown in one sort of section, in the shadows, it changes. In the light, it changes. In the bumps, in the crevices. And that's where I find my colors. And if I can't find my colors there, I'll put them there. <laughs> so, Artistic license. <laughs> that's right. That's it. That's exactly it. And I have one particular color that I will use. It's almost a trademark. It's a Diane Townsend almost, it's, I don't think it's called almost, but it's a fluorescent pink. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing that I put in all of, it's got nothing to do with anything other than it's kind of like, it's a mark. It's yeah. like, boom, boom, boom. There it is. Someplace in there, you'll see that pink sitting there. And it has to be in the right place. So sometimes I've been known to erase it to put it back in the right place. But colors, I'll give you another example. My first solo show was called Steel Views. Mm -hmm. And that had to do with views of Hamilton's industrial area. And that happened, that particular show happened because I was being very narrow in my seeing. I just moved to Hamilton. I brought my sort of Toronto attitude with me about Hamilton. We had bought a house here and I was angry because the smoke and the pollution and the Hamilton, and I didn't know anything about Hamilton at all, except, you know, like I said, I brought my attitude with me. My son and I were in the car coming here one day. He was listening to me gripe coming over the Skyway Bridge, you know, oh, look at all that smoke. And the, I didn't know that a lot of that is steam, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I was just doing what everybody does. Oh, it looks off in an arm again. And my son said, you know, dad, you really need to look at this a different way. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, for instance, look at the factory, the buildings, the angularity of the shapes against those wonderful sort of plumes of smoke, of white smoke coming out of it, and that blue sky. And look at all of that together. It's actually quite a beautiful painting, if you think about it. Yeah. I said, what do you know? But I thought about it. I thought about it for a short bit, as a matter of fact. And I started, okay, let's readjust how we look at this. And that helped a lot of other places too uh, down the road. But let's look at this differently. And I started looking at going along what was then Burlington, which is now Tesla Boulevard. I would mount my camera on my dashboard driving with one hand as I'm going around Burlington taking pictures, right? So (laughs) I was very lucky. I would have loved to have been able to stop and take it, but it didn't matter. So I took pictures and I did this whole thing called Steel Views. And I went all around Hamilton taking pictures of all the industry and did this show that showed Hamilton in that different light. And that also helped me stop thinking about Hamilton in that terms and start looking into what Hamilton was really about. And I found out that this is an amazing arts place, it has an amazing art culture in it. 
amazing artists. I understand that a lot of musicians from everywhere love coming here because the people here love music and art and so on and so forth. And that show, that particular show, the Steel View show, so all of this sort of ties in, you know, it helped me get my first major teaching job, which was at Sheridan College. And that was because someone had come to the show and had seen my work and had left a note. And the note just said, basically, give me a call. And I gave the person a call. It turned out she was the associate dean at Sheridan. And I went and visited and I knew her. I knew her from a long time back anyway, but it was good to see her. How are you? Fine. I love you. Work. And then she said, would you be interested in teaching here? And I went, what? <laughs> and she said, would you be interested in being an instructor here in our art fundies class? Sure. You know, my only training, it was good, was at the AGH. They had arts in education program at the AGH program, which was a great program. And that helped me because I hadn't done college or university for it. And that was at a time also when they hired you because of your ability and not necessarily whether you had a degree or not. I had almost 10 years of teaching at Sheridan, which mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. And all of that came out of, again, taking a look at things differently, seeing differently, you know. So the Steel View show got me that one. This one, right now with the shadows mm -hmm. is leading into the next show, which is going to be about shadows also, as opposed to a sort of macro view of shadows. It's more of a micro view in a way, and it has to do with flowers and shadows. Seeing the beauty in not only the flower, but the shadows, the sort of lace kind of shadows that they can cast on the sidewalks. Yeah, I like that you said that they're micro views. I had looked at your shadows for those pieces and I hadn't actually put that word to it, but it makes a lot of sense. And the lace kind of nature of them, it's very delicate. It's a very different feel to the stretched out shadows of the trees. Even your blues are much softer for these. Yeah. Maybe you talk a little bit about that show. That's coming up very soon. So, yes, the show is called Bouquet. It opens on April the 7th. But there is not an official opening, but a Meet the Artists event on the 9th, which is on a Saturday from 12 to 3. The artists are Donna Fratesi mm -hmm. and Sandra Manzi. And I'm going to mispronounce her name, and I hate this, and I'm sorry. Traher, I think it is. T-R-A-H-E-R. Traher. Anyway, their art is amazing. It's going to be an amazing show because it's going to be four people's takes on flowers, you know, and four different concepts and approaches on flowers. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited about the show. I'm actually working on my last piece. I've got to get it done today or tomorrow <laughs> at least because I have to get these framed up for the show. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. I'm almost done with it, so I'm good. I have the last flower done down in the lower left-hand corner. And once I get that done, then I hit the shadows because the shadows occupy the whole sort of right side of it. So yeah. that's great. Shadows are fun to do and quick. So, do you see yourself continuing to play with light and shadow as you move forward, or are you just going to let it evolve as it naturally wants to? Yeah, I'm going to let it evolve. I jump all over the place. I've got more ideas than I'll have a life to do. I wanted to do a whole series on gas meters, and I actually started out doing one. I did one painting of a gas meter because interestingly enough, again, because of the shadows they cast, right? So it's not only the sort of mechanism as it sits there with all of the pipes coming out of it next to a building, but if the sun is just right, they cast these amazing shadows about themselves. I hadn't even thought about that as a shadow series, but I guess I could go with that and say, now I'm doing meters. 
This was a long time ago. I was going to do that. And then I went out to Vancouver for the first time and fell in love like everybody does with the mountains and the ocean and all of it right there where you can see it all. And I came back and did another show called Vancouver Views. I do this thing with steel views and Vancouver Views. And I came back and did a whole series based on that. It just sort of depends on how I feel. I may continue with the shadows. People keep saying I should do, but I don't want to get led by what people are saying. So it could be anything. I mean, whatever catches my fancy, I'll just go off and do something that's interesting. I'll go do that. Oh, I like that. I've never thought of gas meters. I'm going to look at them so differently now when I walk out in the world. That's the deal. It's being able to see everything in a different light or seeing them. I mean, just the fact that the act of seeing we get a chance. I mean, we bounce through this life. And again, we see things as symbols. Again, you know, the house is a house and the cars are in and the clouds and sky without really sort of looking at them. And I think if we stop, I mean, most people don't know when seasons change. Most people don't know that seasons have changed until they've hard changed, right? Like there's fall. Okay. Fall, all of a sudden bright colors, not the buildup to it as trees are changing mm-hmm. or winter, snow. There it is. <laughs> Summer, full hot. And that's it. But it's all of that stuff in the middle, all of those changes, all of those different things. Yeah. Get engaged in your life. Look, look around you. Looking at this mess where I'm sitting right now, I could probably develop a show based on one corner of it because there's interesting things. There's plenty of interest if you just look. There's plenty of color if you just look. I really love your enthusiasm. And when you were teaching at Sheridan, I'm sure your students loved it too. We had a good time. Yeah. You know what? I played jazz when we had our class. I taught figurative painting. And there's always that sort of dead silence as you're painting the model and the class is very still. And I thought, this needs some ambiance. It needs a feeling of school and sort of, it needs a feeling of cool and school because being in art school is kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) And so I decided that I would just bring in some music, a variety of music from jazz to contemporary music, but mostly instrumental music, you know, orchestral kinds of things, just as a quiet sort of background or something. If we had a model that was intense and doing wonderful things, I'd have some really intense music going. I know, as a matter of fact, a lot of the kids enjoyed it. Those who didn't want to, they could wear their headphones. I didn't care. They had their own choice of music. But for the most part, everyone liked, I got people asking me for playlists. So that worked really well. (laughs) So I had a great time because that's the idea. You know, let's get excited about this thing we do called art. It's a privilege to be able to do it. And if you think about it, somebody's paying us to color. Think about that. That's a fantastic idea, you know. That is a fantastic idea. I'm going to use that. You're stealing your idea right there. Go for it. It's great. It's a great thing about art. And it's such a great community to be a member of. I wrote a little piece a while back having to do with the different bubbles that I live in. You know, I live in basically two bubbles. The first bubble being the neighborhood that I live in here, which is a wonderful place. I'm lucky enough to live in a place where I know almost everybody on the block and everyone knows everybody else. Everybody watches out after everybody else. And the houses are lovely little bungalows and the yards are well taken care of. And they're kids. My wife and I are a couple of the old people in the neighborhood. And there are a lot of young families. So you have the sound of children running up and down the street, or there'll be a hockey day where they'll shut off the streets and they play hockey out in the street, parents and kids and that, you know, so it's that kind of a neighborhood. So that's the one bubble I live in. And then my second bubble is my creative bubble. And that's the one that involves all of the people who I know who are creating. It's never let me down. 
it's a different approach. I mean, the sort of world out there has an approach where the idea is to climb and crawl over everyone to get to sort of this imagined top. And that's the goal of the other sort of path, if you will. And the path I see with the creative people is one where people reach back to bring people along with them on the path. That's what I love about the creative market. And it's inclusive. It's not exclusive. It includes people. So it's not just dancers and singers and musicians. It's scientists and mathematicians and construction workers. It's people who create things. They create, you know, they make something out of nothing. And that's the group. That's my bubble that I'm very happy to be a part of, the creative bubble. Well, that's a very wonderful bubble. And I have to say, I totally relate because I think since I've started the podcast, that's what I have loved so much is how generous all the artists have been. Yes. How excited they get about their process. And it inspires me as an artist because I want to go out and create and look at things in new ways and see things in new ways from different perspectives. So that's been really exciting. I'm curious now, though, when you paint or when you draw, when you're working with pastels, do you listen to jazz or what do you listen to in your studio? (laughs) The answer is yes, definitely. Actually, I have two things I listen to, and it depends on where I am in my work. If I'm just doing my sort of preliminary rough, my linears and that kind of thing, or doing the rough layouts or underpainting or whatever, I'll listen to the CBC. I like sort of keeping up with what's sort of going on in the world. But when it's time to get dusty with the pastels, put the jazz on, you know, I've got old jazz. I've got new jazz. I've got people sending me jazz. You can't ask for anything better. (laughs) No, no, it's great. It's great. So I'm just down here in my studio by myself with my music and my pastels and just enjoying myself. I love doing this. I love this. That's great. As we wrap up, how about we talk about some artists that have influenced you or who you admire, who are pivotal to your sort of creative juices and what gets you excited? Okay. Okay. I'll tell you one thing. I teach pastels through the Dundas Valley School of Art. And I also teach one-on-one also. I do that. And when I'm teaching beginning classes in pastels, one of the things I show students, I've put together this thing called my Pastel Heroes. And it is a PowerPoint presentation of just some of the people whose work I love. And to tell you how long this thing lasts, and it runs automatically, it's 37 minutes. Oh, wow. Artists, artists, artists turning over. There are so many people doing amazing, amazing work with pastels out there that I, my list, I've stopped. It'll be like six pages, two columns, single space, but influential people. Like I said, number one would be Tim Daniels, who got me started in this. There's somebody else who helped me move along quite quickly, and her name is Karen Margulies. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. And while I was getting started also, I was watching her videos on YouTube. And one of the things that she said that I thought was really interesting was that she does a pastel a day, a pastel painting a day. She's been doing that now for, at the last time I clocked in, she had been doing it for 10 years. Her work is amazing. Are they big or are they small? No, they're small. They're small. Because she also sets a time limit on. That was a kind of discipline I needed. She would say, you do one a day, size between five by seven, eight by 10, nine, 12, kind of size, kind of thing. And you have only one hour to do it in. Now, I didn't hold to that all the time, but I decided I was going to do it for a month. I was going to do one pastel for a month. And I started out with little five by sevens and they started growing till they were nine by 12 size kind of thing. 
And they were within an hour, an hour and a half kind of a thing, kind of like that. But what that helped me do is that helped me think quicker mm-hmm. and paint quicker and lucid. Because my style can tend to be, as you can see with myself, can be very tight. And I wanted to get the life back into it. And so that was a way of me getting the life back into it. Started out kind of rough with the little ones. But as it grew, I had a really nice, I had 33 actually pieces of what turned out to be really nice pieces. They're pretty much most of them are sold now. So Karen Margulies was a major influencer on my work. Goodness, where's my list? There are so many people and so many styles. I draw with a group out of New Orleans. I do a life drawing group with Sandra Brissella. I draw with another group here called Portrait Pals with Felicia Van Bork, I think is her name. And it's a group that we draw. She's in the States. She's from Canada originally, but she's down in the States. But we do this thing on Sundays where we bring in models and draw their faces, right? With the portrait pals and with the one in the New Orleans drawing group, we draw the model, full model kind of things. So that's been very helpful. And those artists are both amazing artists and their work. Clarence, do you draw every day? Do you work on your pastels every day? Yes. You're in the studio every single day. Yes, especially now because I've been prepping for a show. So since last November, I've been working with this. And before that, I worked on a portrait that I love, dearly love for a friend and fellow artist who wanted me to do a portrait of her husband. That's probably one of the best things I've done. It's definitely one of the best portraits I've ever done. And it was a large, big piece, and I haven't done big pieces in a while. And so these are going to the pieces that I'm working on right now are going to be larger than I usually work, but I want to get bigger. (laughs) Pastel artists, I think of, they're usually comparative sizes. So what would be your dream scale to do for a large pastel? Three by four, which was the largest one I've done so far. I've done ones actually a little bit larger than that, larger than four feet, about three foot by four feet. It's a nice working size, you know, as a start. Now, the thing is, the difficulty with pastels, and we're still trying to work this out, pastels need to be framed and they need to be framed behind glass. That's a problem because it's very expensive. If you frame anything, framing is a very expensive process. And that's the only thing that sort of slows me down about working. So I've got to get more work coming in, more work selling, so that I can start doing bigger pieces that I can afford to frame. That's exciting. I can't wait to see the large ones. That'll be exciting for sure. Yeah, these guys are, you know, they're three feet kind of thing, two feet by three feet kind of thing right now. But they're meaty. That's great. You'll, You'll like them, I'm sure. I'm seeing that flower behind you, and I think that's amazing. That's such an amazing painting. It's a wonderful painting. Thank you. That's actually a very nice compliment. I appreciate it. Like you, I love flowers, and I love texture and color. So I think that's naturally what drew me to your work, was seeing how you use the color. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. so excited. You inspired me. I feel like I should go right to the studio right now. So. Okay. And after this, do that. I will Another have one to. of those wonderful paintings like the one you've got behind you, or even or a challenge, do six yeah. small. That actually is a really good challenge. I think I might yeah. take you up on it and see what happens. <laughs> I'd love to see it if you do it. Please let me know. I'd love to see what you do. Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. You're very welcome. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.